All right, so if you're new, welcome. <laughs> I've got a lot to get through, so welcome. Come see me if you have any questions. But uh, before I, we get into our text and everything, I want to make sure that you guys are aware that Life Explored is starting tonight. Okay? Life Explored is starting tonight. What is Life Explored is um, our forum on faith and spirituality. And we meet over in La Jolla. It's starting tonight at 6 p.m. And we want you, whether you are a Christian or you are not, and if you have some bandwidth and capacity um, this Sunday, come along and really strengthen um, your understanding of the Christian faith. Um, what else do I have to say? Yeah, the team um, are going to be giving out flyers at the end of this service. And so make sure you grab one, not just for yourself, but make sure that you invite people you know that could benefit from encountering Jesus. Okay? And so that's Life Explored. Thank you. I did an amazing job with that announcement. Anyway, grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Galatians, turn to the book of Galatians. This Sunday, we begin a series in this letter. And as always, um, in our effort to honor God's word, may you please stand for the reading of it. This week, we're going to be reading Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through to 5, and it reads, Paul, an apostle, not from men, not through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning, and thank you for leading us and giving us an appetite for you and for you alone. Um, as we seek um, to experience you, as we seek to know you, as we seek to understand how you are at work in this world, in this city, and in our lives, I pray um, that we would leave here transformed. God, you are so good, and you desire for every single one of us to grow and mature and become more like your son, Jesus Christ. And so as we do our best to make it all about Jesus, to make much of Jesus in this service, may we experience just that. May we become more and more like Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen. Have a seat. Last Sunday was our inaugural service as a merged church and as a new resident um, of this historical building. As a church, as most of you know, we are committed to a lot of things. 
But one of the things that we are committed to is the Word of God. We believe God wrote a book called the Bible, and the 66 books of the Bible reveal who He is, what He has done, and how He wants us to live. We also believe the Bible is a supernatural book. What that means is that the more you are exposed to Scripture, the more you are changed and transformed. We also believe the Bible is relevant. Even though it was created or written many, many years ago, we believe that it's timeless and is relevant for us in this modern time. And so, this is the reason why whenever we gather as a church, we open the Bible. This is why we approach the sermon as a high point of our gatherings. This is why so many of our sermon series focus on one book of the Bible, and it's our dedication to this that leads us to preach chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through books of the Bible. Listen, we don't gather to hear our own opinions on a topic. We don't need to hear someone's take on the latest news and trends. We get together to hear God through the Scriptures. We want God's Word to guide our entire life. We want God's Word to guide our beliefs, our decisions, and our actions. Last month, what we did was we dedicated most of that month to understanding the purpose and the nature of the church. Following this series, Dan, Jeremy, and I prayed and talked about what book of the Bible we should study next. And we came to the unanimous decision that the book that will be most helpful for our church family right now in this new season is Galatians. Many of you have journeyed through Galatians more times than you can count. You have found comfort and strength in the pages of Galatians. But then there might be a few of you scratching your heads thinking, Galatians, never heard of it. What is Galatians? Is it a cereal or something? I don't know. I thought it sounded like the name of a cereal. That was supposed to be funny, but anyway. <laughs> and so what is Galatians all about? Who's the author? Why was it written? And so whether you're approaching this book as a seasoned traveler or curious explorer, whether you're practically, you've practically memorized Galatians or you're hearing about it for the first time, what I'm going to do is give you a brief introduction of this book. And so here are some facts about Galatians. First of all, 
Galatians is a letter. It's a letter. Each book of the Bible falls into a specific genre. Some books are poetic, while others, like the Gospels, are narratives. And Galatians is not poetic or a narrative or anything, but it is a letter. And it is a letter just like Philippians, Corinthians, or even Timothy. Understanding the type of literature you are reading is the first step to understanding it more clearly. Did you guys get that? Whenever you read a book of the Bible, it's important to understand what type of literature it is. Because when you do, it will help you unlock the key truths in that particular book. And so, understanding that Galatians is a letter is important. This knowledge will play a key role in helping us understand and interpret its content accurately. So that was the first fact. Galatians is a letter. The second fact about Galatians is that Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul. Look at verse 1 again. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, not through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. The Apostle Paul is often seen as the greatest Christian missionary ever lived. He's also viewed as one of the most devoted Christians ever. Here, in verse 1, the first thing we discover about the Apostle Paul is that he's, he's an apostle. An apostle is someone who is sent out with a specific mission or message. In the Christian world, when we say apostle, we're mostly talking about the early leaders and messengers of the Christian's faith, especially Jesus' 12 disciples. And Jesus chose these disciples to do what? To spread his teachings and establish churches throughout the known world. Now, Paul, even though he wasn't one of the original disciples, Jesus specifically chose him. That's why Paul emphasizes in verse 1 that he didn't become an apostle through any human appointment. It was directly through what? Through Jesus Christ and God the Father. But the Apostle Paul wasn't always um, committed to the mission of Jesus. He wasn't always passionate about the fame of Jesus. In fact, much of his early life was spent persecuting Jesus, trying to defame the name of Jesus. And he did this throughout his life. But one day... What happened was he was on his way to a city called Damascus and he was going there to persecute more Christians. And on that road, he had an encounter with the risen Jesus and that transformed his life. He was immediately transformed from a fierce opponent to an ardent follower of Jesus. 
After his conversion, Paul wasted no time in his service for Christ. He hit the ground running and he traveled far and wide, spreading the gospel and planting new churches. Listen, in just over 20 years, this is what the Apostle Paul achieved. It's remarkable. He, he embarked on three major missionary journeys. He's the author behind 13 New Testament letters. He established churches in five key cities and he mentored leaders like Timothy and Titus. The Apostle Paul achieved much in his life and the letter to the Galatians is one of his greatest um, accomplishments. The third fact about Galatians is found in the last part of verse 2. It says, to the churches of Galatia. Galatians is a letter written to followers of Jesus in an ancient region called Galatia. The Apostle Paul he spent majority of his time traveling and starting churches. And what would happen is that once he started a church, he didn't stick around for long. What he would do is he would find and discover leaders and train them up and install them as leaders of the church. And then he would leave. But he would stay in touch with those churches. He would write them letters to encourage them, to challenge them, and to address um, troubles they faced. Paul wrote 13 letters in total. One of them, obviously, is Galatians. And Galatians um, is one of his most known letters. He wrote this letter sometime between 48, AD 48 and 55. And so this means that the letter we are about to spend 17 weeks studying it's like 2,000 years old. It's crazy, but it's still very relevant for us. The fourth fact about Galatians, that it was written to address major issues. After Paul left Galatia, what happened was these new Christians, these converts, came under the influence of a group commonly known as Judaizers. Everybody say Judaizers. Judaizers. Say it again, Judaizers. Judaizers. Good. These Judaizers were bad news. They were very toxic. First, they discredited Paul's apostleship. They were like, Paul, a real apostle? No way. Don't believe it. He's not a real apostle. Second, what these Judaizers did was they called into question the validity of the gospel Paul preached. And they did this by insisting that his converts were not fully saved unless they were circumcised. Essentially, these Judaizers believed and promoted the lie that following Jewish customs and laws was needed for a person to be fully recognized as a child of God. Todd Wilson, who wrote an awesome commentary on Galatians, says this, As a result of this teaching, 
Paul's once enthusiastic converts were now um, ambivalent at best. They developed misgivings about whether Paul had told them the whole story and whether his gospel could get them to where they needed to go spiritually. And so these Galatians received the gospel and the true gospel from Paul, but over time, they were beginning to entertain the teachings of the Judaizers who said that the salvation you have, you have to add to it. Some of you today, maybe you find yourselves in a similar situation to the Galatians. Uh, you embrace the gospel with great enthusiasm, but you've found that living the Christian life isn't what you expected. As a result, what's happening in your life right now is that you are wrestling with a bit of what I would say buyer's remorse. You're wondering whether the gospel is enough. You're wondering whether Jesus is actually enough. You're wondering whether something more is needed to get you to where you want to go in life. And so my question to you is, what aspects of the Christian life have you turned, uh, of the Christian life have turned out differently than you initially expected? What do you feel might be missing or what additional thing are you searching for in your faith journey? Fact number five. Galatians is written for us. Galatians is written for us. The Christian community in the ancient city of Galatia have drifted away from the true gospel they began relying on laws rather than embracing grace for their salvation. The Galatians find themselves in a serious situation. Um, Paul knows it and they know it as well. Yet notice, notice this, notice where Paul leads them. Throughout the book, and especially at the beginning, we're going to dive into this next week, Paul will confront them. He will address this issue head on, but his main aim in doing this is one thing, and that is to redirect them to grace. In the middle of this letter's opening paragraph, notice what Paul says after he introduces himself, look at verses 3, 4, and 5. Listen, read it. It says, grace to you. Okay, and so after Paul introduces himself, look, I'm an apostle, and um, God chose me to be an apostle. Look at what he says. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. 
many see Galatians as a letter from this frustrated church leader addressing a wayward congregation. While there is some truth to that, there is more to the letter. Truth is, this letter speaks as much to us today as it did back then. And at its core, Galatians is a powerful message about grace. It's about how we as recipients of grace, because of the gospel because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on our behalf, are in an actual relationship with God, the creator of the universe. Todd Wilson says this. He says, Galatians is often viewed as a letter for legalists, for those who seek to earn God's favor by their works. And, it's a sense, and in a sense, that is what Galatians is about. But Galatians is also a letter for prodigals, for those who have made a mess of their own lives, who are on the verge of apostasy, almost ready to shipwreck their faith and on the brink of moral or spiritual disaster. Galatians is also a letter for prodigals. And so what do you do when you've made a mess of things? Where do you go when you've blown it? Parents, (laughs) I can relate to this one. Where do you turn when you've said something too harsh to your child? Couples, where do you turn when you've betrayed your spouse with sheer stupidity? My brothers and sisters in Christ, where do you turn when you've acted selfishly with a colleague or another student? Where do you turn when you've stirred up some drama between friends or disagreements among church members? Where do you go when you've been insensitive, when you've been thoughtless or downright obnoxious? Think about these questions. Where do you go? How do you respond when you've drifted away from the faith, compromised the gospel, or turned your back on God? For real, where do you turn and where do you go? How do you respond when you've drifted away from the faith? When you've compromised the gospel or turned your back on God? Where do you go when you look in the mirror and all you can see is a reflection of a hypocrite? Over the next few weeks... As we dive into Galatians, we will sharpen our view on the gospel. And as we do, I pray and hope that you would be convinced that Jesus is enough 
and when you have blown it, when you have made a mess of life and a mess of a situation, you can turn to Jesus and know that he will forgive you because of his finished work for you. As our two churches have become one, and we occupy this historic building, it's important we don't lose focus. It's vital we remain committed to Jesus, who is at the core and at the heart of the gospel. The book of Galatians will offer us profound messages of freedom, identity, and grace And it's a great choice for us as a church as we start this new chapter together. And so this morning, we're going to begin our journey through the book of Galatians. And we're going to begin our study of Galatians by reading the entire book together. (laughs) Yes, you heard me. We're going to spend the next 20 minutes, okay, reading the whole book of Galatians together. And I know some of you are like, why are we doing this? This is weird. Just thought I'd come to church and hear someone speak to me, not read to me. I can do that myself. This is why we're doing it. The public reading of Scripture holds a profound significance for us as a community of believers. Timothy chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 13 says, Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Gosh, so much in there I could unpack, don't have time, I have to move on. But reading the Bible, one of the most life-changing practices you get to do. And not just on your own, but reading it together with other Christians is incredible. Tim McKee of the Bible Project says this, Reading the Bible by yourself can be hard. It's easy to get distracted, but something happens when we hear God's word read aloud and when we're with other people. And so that's what we're going to be doing. And so you guys, most of you got a journal, a copy of Galatians as you came in, all right? So what we're going to do is have different people, six different people, their six chapters come up, and they're all going to read a chapter each. And as they read, I want you to follow along with them. I'm going to... The focus and the attention that is needed right now (laughs) is so important. We do this all the time as a church. Every time we start a new book of the Bible, we read the entire book together. And I'm confident that this experience will transform you. And you'll leave here saying, man, that was awesome. So let's read. Um, To start our reading, I'm going to call up Rebecca Messina, everybody, Rebecca. What one? 
this one. Sorry, bear with us as we transition smoothly. Sorry. All right, here we go. Straight or to the side? All right. Chapter one. <clears throat> Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me. To the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through the, a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cyphus and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Sicilia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Chapter 2. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, 
in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery. To them we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised works also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the uncircumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to, the fa to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if, in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I die to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. O oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? 
Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness? Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. In the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, And you shall all the nations be blessed. So then... Those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Justified before God by the law, just shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. To give a human example, brothers and sisters, even with a man made covenant, no one adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say into offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. I gave it to Abraham by promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary is more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming would be revealed. So that the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. that the heir, as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but guardians and managers until the day set by his father. In the same way, we all, when we were children, to the elementary principle. But the fullness of time had come, 
God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Now, formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. Now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first, and though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that, if possible, you your to the truth. They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am in childbirth until in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone. I am perplexed about you. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and the slave was born while the son was born through promise. May be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother, for it is written Rejoice, barren one who does not bear, break forth and cry aloud who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate one of the one who Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, 
you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for any love. Well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not what you. The whole I have come to the Lord. No other view. The one who is trusting you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been. I wish those who settle you will evaluate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, spirit, and you will not the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, empty, strife, jealousy, anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, or and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the If we live, let us keep in step. Let us not be provoking one another or envying one another. Chapter 6. Brothers, if anyone was caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so, so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. Let the one who's taught the word do not be mocked. Whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. 
And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, and may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the word world has been crucified to me, I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, and upon the Israel of God. For now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. This is the word of the living God. And wow, what a letter. Got some work to do. <laughs> Next week, we'll begin at, um, we'll go back to the beginning and verse by verse, chapter we'll walk through Galatians. Cannot wait. I hope you're excited as much as I am. Let's pray. Um, God, thank you so much for this time and thank you for scripture and thank you for leading us um, to the public reading of scripture to read in this um, amazing book that you did through the apostle Paul for our benefit Lord um, so much was read there's so much content but I pray for all of us even through this reading I know um, that you have spoken, and I pray that what you have highlighted for us as a result of this re reading, um, we would take it to heart, and we would seek to apply it and dive deeper into it. And we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 